You're listening to The Higher Ed Marketer, the podcast for marketing professionals in higher education. Join us every week as we talk to the industry's greatest minds in student recruitment, donor relations, marketing trends, new technologies, and much more. If you're looking for conversations centered around where marketing in higher ed is going, this podcast is for you. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the Higher Ed Marketer Podcast. I'm Troy Singer with Bart Kaler. Each week, we interview higher ed marketers that we admire for the benefit and hopefully the betterment of the entire higher ed community. Bart, today we got to talk to Ellen Johnson, who is the Vice President for Enrollment Management and Chief Enrollment Officer at Allegheny College, where she does a great job of letting us know her approach to navigating recruitment, retention, and real cost in a high-tech era. They're doing an amazing job and their numbers are showing that. I mean, you know, I think that, you know, between some of the conversation we had about the enrollment cliff and some of the ways they're using AI to help better, you know, connect and communicate and identify students that are potential helps. And as well as just some practical ideas that they're having with, you know, the way that they're marketing to those students uh, and in different programs that they're developing uh, for first gen and some other things, really, really practical advice today in this, in this episode. And I think that, um, you know, idea, the idea of, you know, not only retention and, and recruitment, but, but just the idea of how all that kind of breaks down in the reality of, of budgets and things like that. So small school, 1300, but I think there's enough in this episode that any school could walk away with some really, really good ideas. Ellen gives us a great mix of philosophy, approach, and practical tactics. Here's our conversation with Ellen Johnson. Ellen, since you've heard previous episodes of the podcast, you know that at the very beginning, we ask our guests to share something that they've learned recently that they think would be interesting or fun for our audience to know. So this is your turn to give us what you have. Great. Well, thank you. Um, I'm actually coming to you today from our family cabin in northern Wisconsin, where I recently learned that we are on the Bayfield Peninsula, which is the northernmost point of Wisconsin, and it's actually north of where 60% of Canadians live. Um, so, oh. well, you know, we always we don't always think about um, being, you know, most of Canada being north of us, that with with the population living in the Toronto or Montreal or that area, that actually uh, much of of Canadians live further south of the uh, Great North of Wisconsin. I love that. When I think of Canada, I do think of farther north, but again, those cities are a little bit closer to south of the border. So that is an A for you. Thank you very much, Ellen. (laughs) You mentioned you're at your family cabin in Wisconsin, but the institution that you serve is in Pennsylvania. So if you would, please tell everyone a little bit about Allegheny College and your role there. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So we are in uh, Western Pennsylvania, just south of Lake Erie. So get get all of the Great Lakes um, in, in today's uh, session. <laughs> uh, so I'm the Vice President of Enrollment Management, and it's an exciting time at Allegheny. I've been there about two and a half years, and when this position that I'm in now was was kind of recreated with some some staffing changes, um, took not only kind of the typical enrollment management of admission and financial aid, but brought in all of marketing and communications for the college. 
college into enrollment management um, as well. And so one of the actually reasons I was really excited about joining the Allegheny is that understanding and vision that um, regardless if we're marketing to alumni, marketing to prospective students, doing public relations work, all of that has a significant impact on our prospective and current students as well. Um, so part of my role is, is working with you know, our great admission staff to doing financial aid leveraging, um, but also really thinking about the brand of the institution um, mm. you know, through that whole, whole life cycle of a, of a person working, working with the college. And then also you know, working really closely uh, with our provosts and faculty on, on academic programs and retention work as well. And so kind of that opportunity to, to really see the institution as a whole. And um, it's a, a pretty exciting um, piece that way. Allegheny is about 1,300 students, uh, fully mm. residential undergraduate campus. So a true liberal mm. arts college at its core um, from our mission to um, bring interdisciplinary work um, and education to students. Um, and that's kind of the last piece that I was going to mention is, is Allegheny is really unique in the sense that we are um, like I said, that true liberal arts interdisciplinary college um, where all students are required to do a major and a minor at the institution, mm -hmm. um, but from different disciplines. So really, we mm -hmm. always talk about where the where the school where students who want to do all the things, um, our academic programs are actually designed that way to really learn from multiple perspectives and ways of knowing and thinking. Um, so it's a, it's a great institution to be able to talk to students about um, because of that unique spin to the, the programs. Thank you, Ellen. Um, when we first talked about what we would talk about on this recording of the podcast, you lit up when we got to the subject of the life cycle of a student and the thought of recruitment being retention and would love to relive some of our conversation here. So if you would, if you can introduce us to your thoughts around the life cycle of a student and what you mean by recruitment is retention. Absolutely. So, you know, really, I think a lot of the work that that we do from an admission perspective from financial aid is not just about recruiting students to a college. It is really about, you know, the one of my kind of personal mantras and what I've tried to infuse at Allegheny and other institutions I've been at is the idea that we do not recruit students to the college. That's not the job of an admission counselor, but the job of an admission counselor is actually to recruit alumni. Mm -hmm. And so we are doing our job well. We're not just meeting a headcount goal. We're not just bringing students to the institution, but it's the right fit student for the institution. The institution is the right fit for them uh, as well. And so really thinking about, it's not just about building a predictive model to say, oh, we know students from this state um, retain well, but it's about really telling our authentic story, understanding who our institution is, what students are looking for, um, and really seeing that full you know, life cycle from, from the point where they might, you know, enter as an inquiry or they're, you know, born to an alum and, and are, you know, already, you know, being infused with the Allegheny Gators, you know, at, you know, early age to the time that, you know, they spend on campus, graduate um, to being a faithful alum of the college as well. I love that, Ellen. And I, it reminds me of a blog post I kind of did a few years ago, just as an exercise to say, okay, if I've got a prospective student 
and you know certainly we think of of the, the the typical admissions funnel to your point but then i think we miss the fact that maybe there's six or seven steps in that funnel but the opportunities that they have on the other end of after graduation as alumni whether it's a, a donor or somebody serving an alumni council or being a you know an alumni or a major gift donor or a board member there's so many roles that a potential student or a potential alumni can can play, and so I think that that's that's fascinating to me. So, how do you get your your team and and the entire school to kind of come around that 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 I, that mindset? Yeah, I think a lot of that work is actually when we're talking about you know even some of our retention work has really kind of changed and morphed as a as a result of this, and and it's actually our our dean for student engagement um, and myself uh, work really closely together, and um, and he has you know, really taking that same mantra to say, we can't do retention work if we're not recruiting students as well. So kind of flipping that that model around. Um, and so when he's working with our class deans or our student life staff, it's that same idea of how are we helping admission? How are we helping on the recruitment mm-hmm. side? And so as an institution, we really you know, taking that idea, you know, we're a small school, 1300 students, we should all be um, part of retention, but also part of reunion weekend, and part of, you know, everything that's happening across campus. And so really helping every person on campus see their role in recruiting and retaining a student and making them feel welcome back to campus as alumni. We've also worked really closely with our our alumni and trustees this year to launch a number of kind of off-campus recruitment initiatives, Mm. working with our athletic coaches, working with alumni throughout the country, yeah, we know most students are are going to college close to home. You know, sixty, you know, sixty five percent are. But we also know that, um, you know, we have to recruit from further away from campus mm-hmm. as well. And so, uh, you know, using our alumni as our as our biggest tool because they're the best storytellers and have the best experience on campus as well. That's great. I do a lot of work with Tim Fuller, and he's been on the episode before. He's a he's an enrollment uh, guru. He's spent 27 years in the in the big chair of a university about your size, where he was the vice president of enrollment and, and marketing. But now he's been doing consulting for the past 15 or 20 years. And one of the things he always says, and I appreciate this, is he says it takes a campus to recruit a student. And I think sometimes campuses kind of look to, you know, that admissions team, those those twenty four year olds to, you know, put the put the weight of the sh- the world on their shoulders, but it really does take that whole campus. And I like that approach that you all are doing there. And so I'm sure some of our listeners are thinking, okay, I've went to the dean and tried to ask them to help me on a visit day or or help me with a tour. Um, how do you guys kind of bridge that? Because I mean, not everybody is 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 good at that type of work, but at the same time, it does take everyone and more than just the admissions team. Yeah, I think you actually kind of hit it right there with, you know, not everyone is good at the same kind of work. So it's actually about right. finding the right people and the right skill sets. And so I think we even, um, you know, think about who's the right person to, to greet somebody at the door or the parking lot as they're coming onto campus, um, but also who's the right person to make sure campus looks really great the night before. Um, so mm-hmm. it's also thinking about what what staff we can do. Some of that has to also come from the top, you know, from our president, um, from from my cabinet colleagues to say to their teams, this is important work. Uh, but also, if you're helping with that admission visit day, 
you know, that admission staff, the marketing staff is going to show up and be there for your events as well. And so it is about yeah. really building campus culture, both top down, but also bottom up. Um, so it's also, you know, our admission staff showing up to the basketball game, um, you know, showing mm -hmm. up to those things. So coaches see that they're more apt to also help out and other things. So I think it's about that overall culture. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things that I think at far too many schools, the, the mantra is, well, that's not my job. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not just in schools. It's in, it's in all of any, any line of work that there's a little bit of a, a poor attitude. Sometimes it's like, well, that's not what they pay me for. That's not my job. But I do think that, you know, marketing and recruitment and enrollment is, and, and retention, like you said, is a bit of a job for everybody. Because at the end of the day, it kind of is where the income comes. I mean, if you really get down to the brass checks of, of you know net to, you know net profit and things like that, you know most most schools uh, that size are going to be looking at it from that perspective. And so that's really help helps to understand that. Now they might say, my school, I do recruit some faculty to talk, and we we'd use that strategy. But how does that then work with retention? Because even some admissions teams and marketing teams feel like, well, that's not my job where that's the, that's the faculty, that's the, the you know, student life. Help, uh, help me understand how that also works. And you kind of alluded a little bit where the admissions teams go into the basketball team games and things like that. Explain more about that. Yeah. And as I say, a little bit even on the marketing side. So as I said at the beginning, you know, um, marketing and communications being part of enrollment management. Um, I know when I arrived at Allegheny, there was question about that or concern of saying, well, now is marketing only going to focus on enrollment? Are they only going to focus on admission? Um, and our marketing team, we have a great marketing team, um, really sees themselves as a full campus partner. And so I think to, to your question around retention, you know, that is where, you know, we really play an important role in what campus looks like from the, you know, taking the brand from not just about admission publications, but we recently, you know, completely redid our student success area in our library um, with our with our brand marks and painted and, you know, put vinyl up and, and all new posters to, you know, the way that we talk about our, our major declaration days and, you know, right. really expanding the, the brand because, you know, we often think about our ambassadors and our storytellers, but it's really every single student, every faculty member, every you know, staff member being able to tell the Allegheny story in their own words, but through the brand message that we're trying to put out in the world as well. And if we just infuse that everywhere on campus, so it doesn't feel like now come to this training about how to speak mm -hmm. about the college, but you see it and experience it every day and, and bring yeah. that and infuse it throughout. Yeah, I like the fact that you're talking about brand being more than just the logo and signage. It's about the way you feel. And so I'm, I'm going to guess, and I'm sure you're going to tell me yes, that you actually script out the entire campus tour. And it's, it's you know, you know what you're going to say, at what point you're going to say it. I mean, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, our campus tour, we actually did some really significant retraining last year with our with our students to talk about how to follow a script without it making it sound like you're reading yeah. from a script. Uh, so exactly yeah. to your point, Mart, is you know just that that idea of you're going to hit all these points. We're going to script you, but one of the things that we actually did, and and um, this is maybe a advice for the end, but I'm going to steal it now, um, <laughs> is the idea of in a number of our spaces where our tour guides stop um, to tell you know what's in this building, faculty, we've actually started to put signage up on walls um, that actually have mm. like those two, three bullet points that we want them to hit, but incorporate that into those spaces. So 
while the students need to remember that while giving the tour, it's also visually there for both them, but oh, also yeah. the families to see. So while they're telling it in their own words or their own stories, um, you're also making sure that they're hitting each of those points as well. That's great. I love that because I think that takes I hear a lot of people talking about scripting the, the, uh, tour, but I've had, I have a friend of mine, um, uh, uh, that, that talks about the idea of storyboarding the tour. Mm. And so it's a little bit more like what you just said there. It's like, well, we're going to talk about what we're going to say and, and storyboard is, so it's not really a script, but it's also those key elements of where they're going to be going and how they're going to be doing that and that type of thing. We are hearing a lot about the topic of the enrollment cliff within the community. And I think rightfully so, especially if those conversations are insightful and also productive. And it's also seen as schools of your size, Ellen, are going to be the most affected. So we'd like to know if you would be willing to share your philosophy and your approach on how you're getting in front of the enrollment cliff. Yes, the enrollment cliff. And you know, I've been been in the enrollment field for, for quite some time. And I feel like we've been talking about it for, you know, for the last 20 years that this was coming, this was coming. And um, and it's real. It's here. Um, but I think one of the things that that we really, you know, think about on our campus and that I really, you know, the way I approach my work is it's yes, there are simply fewer students. That is that is real. But really, you know, where the populations are growing are in, in populations of students that have been historically excluded from higher education and, and particularly institutions like mine. Small, you know, liberal arts colleges, private institutions um, have not been where um, the kind of growing population has historically attended. And so it's on us to actually change not just the way we market the institution, but some of the structures of our institutions right. um, to combat that. And also to understand the students of today, both the demographics, but also who Gen Z is and coming shortly behind who Gen Alpha is and what they're looking for in an institution. And so some of what we're really thinking about at Allegheny is, you know, some of our most popular programs are things like environmental science and sustainability, community justice studies things that we know are actually really resonant and important to Gen Z and to Gen Alpha, you know, community focus, social justice focus, you know, caring about the world around them. And so how can we build on that, that work that we're already doing in the classroom and market that in a way to actually talk about this is who we are as an institution and what we care about um, to really help resonate with with students you know, who are looking at colleges, but are, you know, there are fewer of them. So how do we stand out in that message of not just we know we're a great institution, uh, but really in that way of, of we want to connect what we know is important to you to what we're doing here at Allegheny. And what are some of those ways that you're tactically doing that. I mean, I know with Generation Z and Alpha, you know, there's, I always hear the challenges. Well, nobody answers, nobody looks at their email anymore. And, you know, print's dead and, you know, all these different things. And I don't necessarily agree with all those statements because I think a lot of it is how effective are we doing that? Um, but tell me a little bit about your your experience with that. Uh, great. I think it's about you know the the messaging and and finding the right points and the right um, modalities to the right audience as well. You know, one of the things we also know really about Gen Z and and I think we saw you know this year's class especially and you know talking you know both at Allegheny but talking to colleagues at other institutions, um, parents and families have always played an important role. But I you've seen that even more so. Um, and so I think, you know, especially in some of the conversations about 
ROI. It was my student going to get a job um, coming out of a liberal arts institution. And so really thinking about where are we using print to tell that story that maybe we're sending something to the student, but really we know we want to get the parents' eyes on it. Um, so some of the ways that we're really thinking about that also is is being smart about um, finding that that link using you know data that we have about about families from lots of different marketing sources, from consumer income data and all of those things, you using AI, using using the data that we have to be able to really personalize. So, you know, with one family, we might be really talking about the affordability of a private education in another family. Um, we might be talking a lot more about return on investment based on what we know about them and their student mm -hmm. as well. So when you, you kind of mentioned AI there for a second, and I know everybody's ears kind of perked up for a second because it's like, is she talking about predictive analytics? Is she talking about, you know, chat GPT? What, tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, we, you know, right now, I think we're just on the forefront um, of, of all As of is this. Everyone. Yes, and so <laughs> yeah. right now it's a little bit more on the kind of predictive side of things mm -hmm. and really starting to understand what can we do uh, with AI right. in a way that students respond to. Uh, so I think, mm -hmm. again, there's lots of shiny tools out there and saying, oh, we can, you know, create holograms of ourselves and, you know, get all these amazing right. things. But what are students going to really respond to? And so, yeah. you know, at Allegheny, what we're, we're dipping our toe in um, on, on starting to try to figure out what what is our audience going to respond to? You know, is it a really, you know, the chatbot kind of features where we're, you know, we're sending lots of stuff back and forth, which we're already doing that a lot and giving them predictive answers. Um, students seem to be responding to that, but yet still want a human sometimes. Um, so finding that balance and where in the cycle do we need to rely on the technology, but that human element is still a really important part of the, the relationship with the student as well and their, you know, their supporters and family. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that, I mean, we're we're here at the end of May of, of 2023 and talking about AI and somebody could be listening to this and, you know, the winter of 24 laughing at what we're talking about because, you know, oh, it's changed so much since then. But I, I do think that um, that's one thing that I really appreciate what you're saying is that you're kind of leaning into that and, and learning as you go. And, you know, I had, I had somebody tell me uh, yesterday, I was at a conference and a, one of my clients He's talking about, you know, trying to train his, his, his admissions team. And he was like, you know, I'm trying to help them understand that we're going to we're going to try, fail, learn on everything, you know, because we we need I need you folks to be able to make decisions and I need you to make, you know, have the confidence to do that. And the only way we're going to do that is we're going to try it. We're going to fail. We're going to figure out what we did wrong. We're going to learn from it. And we're going to do it again. And I think that that's really a lot of what's going on with AI right now. So I appreciate that you guys are kind of leaning into that, figuring it out along with everybody else along the way. So one thing I guess I'm curious about, because one of my other clients, they're, they're kind of a vendor side, you know, data analysis type things. And they came out with, he wants to demo this thing with me that they're rolling out, which is a, a natural language model where you can actually ask your data set, you know, your entire data set, instead of asking your information, you know, a, you know, IA person to get you some research, it's like, what are the most popular, you know, majors for people from this zip code and that type of thing. And, and the whole idea there of being able to really kind of get that, there's, that information is going to be at our fingertips very soon. But I think you're, the point that I really liked about is that humanness that you talked about. So unpack a little bit for me of how do you guys kind of see that importance of that human intervention, intervention and interpreting the data and 
knowing when to jump into a conversation because at the end of the day, admissions counselors are not going away. We're trying to free them up to have more time to build relationships. So help, help me understand what you guys are kind of thinking about that. That was exactly what I was going to say is it's about the relationships. So where can we use our data? Um, you know, we have 20, 30, 40,000 inquiries in our pool. So no counselor is going to be able to, you know, as I say, call everyone. And, and we know students aren't necessarily going to pick up the phone either. But, you know, sending out those surveys, sending out information, you know, using our chatbot to get to the point to then say, you know, hey, I would like to talk to human. I, I have questions about these things. But then having our counselors ready, um, and it's not a, well, then they're going to get a report tomorrow or three days from right. now. Um, so that's really where we're trying to train our counselors and, and get our systems in a place where um, the moment a student does say, I'm ready to have a conversation, that we're we're standing by and ready, but then we're also proactively reaching out to those that we're not hearing from, because maybe that student isn't responding to the technology, right. doesn't want to talk to a, a chatbot. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, that's where, you know, we, I still am a firm believer in the, you know, handwritten note cards to somebody who's come to visit, um, to, you know, Amen. to sending out, <laughs> sending out a text the night before, all of those kind of things. So there still is, you know, we still look at the data of our students, our incoming students that says, you know, part of the reason I came was because I made a relationship with somebody on campus. Mm -hmm. And so we know that's never going to go away. And that's one of the key elements of that Generation Z and Alpha is that they are so long to have those relationships. And because so much of our world has become automated. So I love that. That's great. Thanks, Ellen. Ellen, earlier in the conversation, you mentioned messaging and meeting students in the modality of where they are. Also, you mentioned ROI. So I'd like to ask you how you are promoting both the future role and value of a liberal arts education in a tech-dominated future world. Yes, the you know, I think you know, we sometimes the liberal arts has this connotation of soft skills or things that um, you know, are going away because technology is is going to take over. The reality is, is, is technology wouldn't exist if we didn't have people who were really great writers and communicators and could understand things, could analyze, be creative thinkers. And all of those are the liberal arts. That being said, I think we do have a PR and perception problem um, with, you know, frankly, even just the beginning of the word. People hear liberal arts and they make a, a assumption of what the institution is, what they're teaching. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, those are the skills. You know, we talk at Allegheny a lot about, you know, we're, we're teaching you to uh, and we're educating you for jobs that don't exist. Um, right. It is the lifelong learning part of the liberal arts education, the learning how to learn um, that I think really is going to make students stand out in the future and is that ROI that they will have from their education. Uh, even if they don't see it immediately, that job one right out of college might look a little bit different, but it's as the world changes, as, as their industry changes, as jobs are created, as technology changes, um, those liberal arts graduates are who are going to actually be able to to make a difference in that that technology as well. And it's really, a, it is about the public good. It's, mm -hmm. you know, what, what, who is making a difference in the world and, and some of those quote unquote soft skills are, are really making an impact in technologies we move forward as well. 
Yeah, I love the fact that you've been able to articulate that so well and articulate the value of the liberal arts as, as well as you are, because I think that I work with a lot of small you know, small, you know, schools like yours that are, that are, you know, they often kind of try to compare themselves against the flagships or other places and saying, oh, what was us? If we just had those kind of budgets, if we did this, if we, but the end of the day though, there's, there is a uniqueness and a distinctiveness that all of these schools have. I mean, I don't care if you're Allegheny or somebody else. I mean, there is something that I always try to help people understand is what is unique about you that no one else can say. And because I always hear, you know, when I first asked that question, it's like, well, we're a small college that has, you know, 13 to one faculty ratio. And they kind of recite what is typical of everyone, their size. But I like the fact that you're kind of talking about, you've, you've leaned into the liberal arts and you said, this is who we are and why it matters and what the benefit is, what the outcome for your life is going to be is that the world's going to change in your lifetime and we're going to teach you how to adapt and literally roll with it. And so I, I think that's a really an interesting way of doing that. And I think that part of the challenge too is being able to highlight those benefits in, in the context of the, of, the, of the liberal arts, in the context of the small institution, in the context of some of those el- other elements. And so help me understand about how you kind of do that in the sense of, of that commitment to access program. I think that's something you guys are doing in the way that you're kind of rolling that out in the way that you describe that, that particular program. Yes, we launched this past fall our our Commitment to Access program, uh, which specifically is thinking about how do we ensure that students who may think a liberal arts education is out of their price range, is something that's mm-hmm. not attainable for them. How do we tell them upfront uh, that that we actually are um, a great option for them? So so at Allegheny, we launched the, a program that, you know, for students in the state of Pennsylvania, family income, um, $50,000 or less, uh, they are going to be able to go to Allegheny with their tuition covered with grants and scholarships. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we have really seen is, you know, for a lot of students who were in that criteria before, we were we were funding them at that level. Right. But they were having to go through the whole process and, you know, didn't know that up front. And so we really mm-hmm. tried to say, hey, uh, don't write us off from the beginning. Don't, you know, mm-hmm. don't look at just that sticker price. And I know that's a challenge for so many uh, money colleges um, out there. Uh, but we also know students value scholarships, <laughs> value receiving, you know, merit aid. So we didn't want to, you know, just, just say, you know, the sticker price doesn't matter, but for that family who thought we were out of reach, you know, don't ignore us. And and our goal this year actually um, was to enroll between 40 to 50 students through that program. And, you know, sitting here in in late May, uh, we have 61 students um, who applied and qualified for that program and are planning to enroll in the fall. And so from a a personal standpoint, an institutional standpoint, we're really excited about the fact that, you know, we've had this historic commitment to students who've historically not always considered a liberal arts college from a low-income family, um, but are able to expand that access to more students, um, you know, and again, but from that recruitment to retention lens, you know, also mm-hmm. thinking about this is a four-year commitment. Um, this is also a commitment to ensuring that these students are going to graduate. It's not just about enrolling up front, um, but, but we really thought about that from a four-year perspective as well. 
I love that. I love the fact that you've actually kind of branded it and put together a, a you know, a, a marketing, you know, piece around it that, that, because I think you're right. I think those three questions students ask when they come to your website and, and they're going to come to your website, you know, you can talk to them at school, but they're going to go home and look at the website. Um, the, the three things are, they're going to, you know, am I going to fit in here? And I'm sure a lot of them after they meet somebody at a college fair or at their high school or have a neighbor that talks to them. Yeah. They're they're They could fit in very well. You would have their major. They're, they're excited about that. But they get to that last question of, can I afford it? You know, too many times they just go to the, you know, the tuition page and, you know, dad's leaning over the shoulder and saying, okay, let's go to the next one. And they don't even give a chance. And I think that first generation students especially are vulnerable to that. And so do you guys kind of like have a, you know, literally a tactical brochures that you give out? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you do some advertising around that. How, how do you do that? Because I'm sure a lot of people are thinking well, we could do something like that. How does that work? Yeah, as we launched the program, we did, yeah, the, you know, kind of postcard um, kind of piece, but mm-hmm. that, you know, all of our counselors who travel in Pennsylvania, but it was also actually really important for us to get it in the hands of all of our coaches as well. We actually, mm-hmm. we have 22 division three sports on our campus. So athletics is a big part of our recruitment as well. And so we wanted coaches to also be able to be armed with that that information. We also did an out-of-home campaign. Um, well, we know billboards are sometimes hard to measure in other out-of-home, so we did some digital, but we actually put up billboards in some of the major cities across Pennsylvania from, you know, Philadelphia, which is um, six, seven hours away from us on the other side of the state, um, you know, to, to Pittsburgh, Erie. Um, so to really actually also just make sure our name was out there with that idea. And we literally, you know, we're committed to access. We are committed to this. Um, and then our, our other prong to it was really focused on high school counselors and independent counselors mm-hmm. um, and community-based organizations. So, um, you know, mailing and, and emailing and outreach to that group as well, which I think sometimes we forget we hit with general information about the college. Right. But again, we know that that's such an important audience, especially again for first-generation students, low-income students who, you know, maybe writing off a college um, that they are making assumptions about. So, so having that ability to also um, share with those audiences what we're doing for their students as well. I love how diverse you talked about that because I, I'm usually not a big fan of billboards because it's too many times it's just kind of like a, a brand awareness. And I think that's while that's important. For smaller schools, sometimes budgets get chewed up really quickly just for brand awareness when you need to get students in the door. But for this, the fact that you're dealing with a very distinct opportunity with, you know, you're actually putting a price tag, you're you're helping people identify a need that they have and the solution that you have. I think that I think everything you talked about is a brilliant way to do it. And I'm sure that's part of the reason why you're seeing so much success. So congratulations on that. Although you hinted that you may have given the answer to this a little early, (laughs) I'm still going to put it in front of you. If you would, please share a tactic or something that, after heard, can be implemented by our audience rather quickly after hearing it. Yes, so I did. Uh, I did uh, hint at one of them earlier, which is kind of that idea of you know small signs showcasing you know tour stops as well. I think the other the other kind of easy tactic, and I'm going to focus still again on the campus tour because I think we're in the midst of that that busy time frame in the summer as well. Is um, also really thinking about student or families that are walking around your campus who do not take a formal tour, and so you know one of the other things that we're in the process of implementing 
right now is um, signs for our environmental, all of our environmental impacts on campus, mm-hmm. um, but focused at prospective students. We had focused it so much on, um, you know, our, our current population. So thinking about an easy tactic is really thinking about that person who's walking around your campus who could be a prospective student what are they seeing in the signage? What are they seeing as they walk around? Mm. So from QR codes on the side of a building that you can implement um, to making sure that, that that messaging is really geared towards the folks who don't know your campus already. Um, so I think an easy implementation there is walk around yourself um, and think about where should I have some signs? Where should I have some information that could help somebody um, walking around that first time? That's wonderful. Ellen, thank you so much. In a short amount of time, you've shared so much wisdom and advice. And I'm sure our listeners, if they are wanting to get something from this podcast, there are two or three things that everyone can get from it. For those who would like to contact you for more information or for whatever reason, what is the best way to contact you? Yeah, I can either be reached, um, email um, ejohnson at allegheny.edu. So that one's pretty easy. Um, I'm also fairly active on Twitter as well, share, kind of sharing lots of marketing and higher ed things. Um, so that I can be found at Ellen V. Johnson um, on Twitter as well. Again, thank you for your time and the wisdom that you shared with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Bart, what are your final thoughts? Well, first of all, Ellen, thank you so much for being on the show. It was uh, wonderful to have you and obviously a lot of success. And that's not just because you're lucky. It's because there's a lot of hard work that's going on and a lot of uh, a courageous leadership, even at the top level. And that's that's obvious here. And so I just wanted to point out a couple of things that that I took away from from the show just for everybody to you know go back and listen to this and, and kind of take some notes. But really just being able to lead with the distinctives. I think that one thing I really appreciate about Allegheny is they've leaned into who they are. They, they've they've owned who they are. I mean, one of the very first things that Ellen talked about is that we are a traditional undergrad, mostly residential. There's no apology about that. It was bold, and I like that. I also like the fact that there was just so much idea around the idea of trying things. I mean, a lot of different things coming down the pike right now with with um, with uh, tech. I mean, even with the tour, the idea of putting QR codes up on buildings, and I'm sure a lot of you were like, "Oh, I'd love to do that," but you know, I couldn't get maintenance to do that, or I wouldn't be able to get that past the, ca- the cabinet. That's where some of that courageous leadership has to come from the marketing department to be able to say, no, we need to do this. And if you need to, uh, you know, reference something, reference this podcast. Um, and so I think there's a lot of really good things there. And then I just love the idea of the idea of that they've really kind of storyboarded the tour. They've really kind of put some effort behind that. And I know that we had a, a recent podcast with Guy Kawasaki and one of his things, I mean, he's a, he's a brilliant thought leader in a lot of different areas areas of, of tech and, and uh, marketing and all kinds of places, being the chief evangelist at Apple and now at Canva. But I really appreciated his idea on the podcast was take your tour, take it yourself. Even if you're leadership, take your tour so that you see what's going on and how you're being represented. And so if you are a senior leader and you haven't taken the tour, or let's say you're a president listening and you haven't taken the tour, do some secret shopping and, 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 and get involved and do that. And I think that would be something that'd be really good. But again, thank you so much, Ellen. It's been a wonderful conversation and congratulations on your success. Thank you for that wonderful wrap up, Bart. We'd also like to express gratitude to our producer, Rob Conlon, at Westport Studios. The Hired Marketer Podcast is sponsored by Kaler Solutions, an education marketing and branding agency. 
and by Ring Digital, accurately and precisely connecting universities directly to the devices of their prospects, inquiries, and alumni on their most valued mailing lists. On behalf of Bart Kaler, I'm Troy Singer. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to The Higher Ed Marketer. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. The Higher Ed Marketer is a production of Kaler Solutions and Ring Digital in partnership with Westport Studios. Views and opinions expressed by guests on The Higher Ed Marketer are their own and may not reflect the views and opinions of their organization. Know someone who's a mover and a shaker in higher ed marketing? Visit www.higheredmarketerpodcast.com and click on our Contact Us page. We'd love to have you tell us about them. Until next time.